Turn in your copy of God's Word or turn in your device to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. We're continuing our mini-series uh, in the beginnings of the Gospel of Matthew as we had begun the birth narrative and, and going to uh, the Sermon of the Mount. We preached on the Sermon of the Mount or I preached on the Sermon of the Mount two years ago, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, but we're going to move into uh, something else that we'll tell you about more in the days ahead. Uh, but uh, we uh, attempted in many ways to focus on other passages or text as the ongoings of, of, of things this week. However, uh, if I know that what would please the Lord most is if we would follow Jesus fully. And so let us look at this text and be challenged together uh, to follow him as a disciple. So let's begin in verse 18 of chapter 4. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and son of Zebedee, and brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him and all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we come to your word, we know your word is powerful, it is inerrant, and it is exactly what you want us to have. And today, we ask that as we read and as your spirit works in our heart, that we are never the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. I read recently that there is a, a big boom in people who are calling themselves vegetarians. More and more people are using this term and saying that they are turning to this lifestyle. Probably about all the different people who are starting the new year, maybe with different New Year's resolutions and saying, I'm going to eat healthier and do all these things. And in the article, it started to talk about how these vegetarians are described. And of course, uh, the ones uh, are the smallest group or part of that group of vegetarians are those who call themselves uh, vegans who only eat uh, vegetables and nothing else. Uh, there's some that are called uh, fruitarians uh, who go maybe a little bit further and all they eat are fruits, refusing even plant seeds. A, a larger but limited group is just those who just won't anything, eat anything but animal flesh. They will, they will go to anything else, but they won't eat animal flesh. But what I found was interesting was the largest group of these vegetarians are actually people who do something I didn't think that would happen. They're meat eaters. <laughs> uh, they're, they, they actually just don't eat only chicken or fish, yet they call themselves vegetarians. They, they will uh, avoid everything but beef. 
uh, and they're still called, they're called polo vegetarians for the chicken or pesque vegetarians for the fish. It's interesting that these people want to say, I want to have this strict principle and discipline myself, but they don't actually pay the price of going all the way to, to be a vegetarian or to pay the price of discipline. Uh, very similar, just a snapshot here in Matthew chapter 4 of what Jesus or what we see of those who are saying they're willing to call or follow Jesus in a crowd, but what Jesus says is a disciple. A disciple is one who understands that there is a cost of following, that there is something that must be disciplined in us to follow Jesus. There's crowds that followed uh, of Jesus all around, but they followed him when it was convenient, when it was easy, when it was, didn't hurt them in any way. But Jesus here answers to give reasons to be faithful as disciples, even when it costs something. And in our passage, we see the Lord chooses disciples and calls disciples to himself. But specifically, Jesus moves people from following him from convenience to true discipleship. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he calls the apostles to follow him in a way that he tells them to count the cost and made them into true followers. And at the beginning of 2021, maybe this is the question we must be asking ourselves, or maybe God's word has already been challenging you to consider if you're truly following Jesus. In this passage, I want us to see that there are five truths about being a disciple who follows Jesus. First, I want us to not over, overrun or run past this truth. Number one, Jesus chooses his followers. In verse 18, it says he was walking along the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon, and, uh, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And later, in verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Now, this was not Jesus just walking down the street and sizing people up and seeing who he wanted to go take to a fight. He just said, okay, uh, he, he wasn't saying, well, that guy looks good and this guy looks good. Let's just call him and, and follow me. No, God through his sovereignty and his plan had chosen these people to be apostles not out of their work or how good they are, but out of grace. And that God has chosen us as believers to follow him. Now you might argue, say, well, look, I mean, uh, they, had these, uh, they, they had these skills and they had these things that later uh, would show to be good. No, look, God chose them and made them who he wanted them to be. And we need to understand that God is working in time, in our lives, and before time to choose us and call us into relationship with him. And so therefore, this is a reminder to us that if you're overwhelmed by opposition, you can be confident that God has chosen you. That God's going to see you through. That there are going to be obstructions in front of you. But it doesn't matter because God has chosen you. 
that it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you or what they think about who you are. You have been chosen by the Almighty God, and He loves you. Ephesians 2 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We need to be reminded that God has chosen us for His purpose, for His glory. And thankfully, it is for our good that we get to be in family with God forever. Secondly, we want to observe that Jesus calls his followers to count the cost. Now, in verse 19, it simply says, follow me. Follow me. Now, this is the first words that Jesus said to his disciples. And later on, it says that he would call out uh, to James and John, follow me. Now, to do so, it, it meant that they needed to understand that this was going to cost them something. Later on, it says uh, that they dropped their nets and followed him. And in verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Why do you think that they mentioned those two? Well, because it represents the two most important relationships, important things that, that it could cost us. The nets signifying a job and father representing a significant relationship. We know that Jesus says to follow me, I must take precedent over both of these areas of your life, all areas of your life. When we are saved, we are called to turn from the world and turn and follow Jesus. Nothing takes precedent over him. Jesus teaches this over in Luke chapter 14. He says in verse 25, Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother or wife or children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Down in verse 33, it says, In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Friends, brothers and sisters, we know if we are to be called a follower of Jesus that it will cost. It will affect something in our lives. We know that some of our brothers and sisters in faith who are turned from uh, Hinduism or Muslim faith, that their immediate uh, announcement of them trusting in the resurrection of Jesus Christ means it has cost them their family. They will no longer be welcomed home. This is an immediate understanding of the cost to follow Jesus if you're not an American Christian or if that you're uh, someone who follows a, in a different faith. The cost is significant. It's a bitter experience, but those people find out that Jesus is sweeter. And some, though not all, are asked to quit jobs or change jobs. Some, as we have seen experienced in the life of, of the Richard family, as they have, he has quit his job to now go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. We're not all called to do that, but some of us Maybe, and we need to leave that on the table. 
Some of us need to alter our jobs and not put our trust in those jobs because God is using those things for his glory, not the other way around, not for our glory. And so we need to come to understanding that to follow Jesus, it will cost us something. College student, it might cost you the a, a, a relationship with your parents where, where they have promised money to, if you stay home during the summer, that they will support you financially, but, but you have trusted Christ and, and Christ has said that you need to go and do a journeyman uh, project over the summer. And that means that you're going to have to be financially on your own. Well, are you going to trust uh, what God has called you to do or what, what is more comfortable High school student, it's going to cost you maybe even being lonely at times, being called the, you know, the Christian chick or the, the God dude or, or, or that you're going to be. There's many times I know that I wasn't invited to, the, to the, the, the right party or the right place. There's a lot of memories that my friends in high school have that I don't have, but I know that they were filled by other things of the warmth and comfort of Jesus Christ. Some of you in business were going to have to face temptations to cut corners or do things that you know that you're going to have to be patient and do things God's way. But you see, to follow Jesus means subjecting everything in your life to him. That you forsake all things that are forbidden and you pursue all things prescribed by him. And that means that we understand that as disciples, this will cost us something. What is being a disciple costing you? What was the last thing that you readily acknowledged and understood that I just trust the Lord in this area? The world has a different way of looking at this, but I know that I'm being more faithful by following him. Third, as we read this event of him calling the beginnings of the apostles, Jesus Number three, Jesus changes his followers through discipleship. Again, verse 19, he says, follow me and I will make you. Just in the middle of this one sentence, we see that Jesus is going to make something of these men. That they aren't finished products. That in following Jesus, you are acknowledging and admitting and allowing that when I follow Jesus, I'm not going to be the same in a year that I am today. That I'm not going to be the same in 10 years is that I am the first day I followed Jesus. That I need to allow the king of the universe to do work in my life because I know that I'm not like him. Notice Jesus said not only to count the cost, but that we must be willing to be changed by him. People have the idea of salvation, and they like that, but they don't want to be changed. There's this false gospel that has been portrayed in the culture that says that you can take this, this little seed Christianity, that you can take Jesus, but there's nothing about your life that needs to go and follow after him. There's nothing else that needs to change. That you can live your own life, that you can stay in your sinful ways, that you can do the things that you want to do. But brothers and sisters, to follow Jesus means that you are submitting yourself under him. And that means that you have to change. You can't 
stay the same. What did Jesus say to the woman who was about to be stoned? Well, let me rewind first. As they found her and was about to stone her, he said, the first of you that have no sin, cast the first stone. The world loves that verse. (laughs) And they like to stop there and say, look, oh, we don't need to be judgmental or judgy. Look, this is what Jesus is. Well, they didn't continue in the verse. They didn't continue in the passage. What did Jesus say? He turned to the woman and said, go and sin no more. Jesus saved her life and showed compassion and showed forgiveness. But there is in no way an excuse for us to not change. That when we know that we are sinners, we accept forgiveness, but that we change and we move and we grow. And this is what God did with his apostles that he changed them, he grew them, he, he made them leaders, he made them exactly who and what he wanted them to be. Charles Spurgeon observed this, he said, when Christ calls us by his grace, we ought not only to remember what we are, but what we ought to also think of what he can make us. It is follow me and I will make you. We should repent of what we have been, but rejoice in what we may be. It is not follow me because of what you already are. It is not follow me because you made something of yourselves, but follow me because of what I will make you. I mean, it didn't seem very likely that humble fishermen would go on to become the leaders of the church to spread the gospel around the world. They were more comfortable at mending nets than making sermons and preaching to the lost. One would might have said, how could this possibly be? Well, friends, they came to know Jesus. And in Jesus, he doesn't make us a little better than who we are. Jesus makes us new creatures. He changes us. And this is exactly what Christ did. When we are brought low in the sight of God by the sense of our own unworthiness, may we feel encouraged because of what Jesus can make us. This is why a commitment to a small group or, or to another person that you can dig into the scriptures and know the scriptures, but not just know them, but to live them. Well, it's important that you open your Bible, pray, and and help and understand that the gospel and the Bible and prayer and following Jesus is something that shapes us. And when we start a new job, we don't want to be the same on day 100 as we were when they first showed us around the building. When we're graduating as a senior in high school, We certainly don't want to still just be learning our ABCs. And as Christians, we certainly don't want to be staying as babies in Christ. That when we come to glory, that we don't say, yes, Lord, thank you for saving me when I was a teenager. uh, But now I'm going to get serious about learning about you. 
We want to know and understand as followers of Jesus that we are being changed minute by minute, day by day, that we are submitting ourselves to Christ in his way, to his word, and that we are being changed as a disciple. So number four, Jesus purposes his followers then to share the gospel. Jesus purposes his followers to share the gospel. I mean, just this one sentence, verse 19, follow me, I will make you what? Fishers of people. Fishers of men. This harkens to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 16, 16. Uh, God says through Jeremiah, I'm about to send for many fishermen. This is the Lord's declaration, and they will fish for them. And they will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and out of the clefts. Of the rock. Now, interesting in that context in Jeremiah, God is talking about a vengeful judgment and retribution that he is going to fish people out and he's going to hunt them down and that judgment will come but here's the good news of how Jesus redeems this Jesus says you're not going to fish for people for judgment you're going to fish for people for salvation that you're going to call them out and bring them mercy and grace and that in this what Jesus was promising that he was going to make these apostles like himself what did we read in the birth narrative of Matthew 1 21 what was the very purpose statement that the angel said that Jesus why call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins and fast forward over to Luke chapter 19, the purpose statement that Jesus says that the Messiah, Jesus says, the Savior has come to seek and save the lost. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be made to fish for people, to bring them out of darkness and bring them to light, to introduce them to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they may be saved. We are no more like Jesus than when we are sharing the gospel. We are being like the Savior who came, who brought light to our own eyes that we might bring it to the light of others that they might be saved. Jesus says this is not just a part of what you do of my being a disciple. This is what you do. I will make you fishers of people. He didn't say, well, I might come to making you fishers of people. He didn't say that you might, I might give the gifting of you possibly one day to be a fishers of people. Or he didn't say, my, some of you, I'm going to make you fishers of people. No, I will make you fishers of men. And an essential part of being a disciple is that we are sharing the gospel with others. It's not something that a few of us do. It's not something we might do. It's something that we all need to be doing. It is essential to being a disciple. You can't be a disciple and not make other disciples and say, okay, pastor, okay. You haven't preached for two weeks. You're get, you know, getting big in your britches. And you're, I see what you're saying here. And you're kind of bringing the force a little bit. And you're saying things. Maybe, okay, I get you. Wink, wink. Okay, we need to share the gospel. No, I'm serious. 
Jesus says, I'm going to make you fish for people. All of Scripture says that we are called to make disciples. And listen to what John 15, 8 says. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. Now listen. To prove you are my disciples. You show that you are a disciple of Jesus when you are sharing the gospel. That's why, you know, we are so... We have been so overwhelmed by the things that have happened in the news this week. We are so overwhelmed what have happened in the last few years politically in our world. But most of us, all of us, maybe including me, are more worried about what happens in, in the political sphere than what's happening in the hearts of our neighbor next door. You know, 155,000 people, give or take, on average, died yesterday just all over the world, all over the world, for different reasons, for different ways. And what we know for sure, most if not all of them died without the gospel. Most if not all of them died without the gospel. Many of them have never even heard the gospel. And brothers and sisters, we know what the Bible says. If they have not heard about Jesus and they don't know Jesus, they are going to hell. And that should be the most concern on our hearts today. That should be the highest priority of our tomorrow. That should be the, the most concerning thing that we weep and cry at night, that we are more concerned over the hearts of the salvation of people than what's going on politically in this world. Maybe 2021 should be the, that should be our greatest concern. Because as I read this, a follower of this Jesus, a disciple, is being made to be fishermen. And I'm from a family of fishermen. And when they think about fishing, they want to know where those fish are. And they think about it a lot. And in the same way, we need to be thinking over and over and over again. God, who have you brought into my life that needs Jesus? God, who in my family should I be praying for right now? Am I faithfully living among my own family, my own children, among, among my own neighbors, the, the grace and salt and light of Jesus? Am I going and telling the gospel to people? During this COVID season, many of us have become so inwardly focused and we know that it has been challenged because we don't know should we get close should we you know how should we handle it should we be around people well brothers and sisters God gave us a, a day and age where we have zoom and facetime and and porch visits and and social media and many different ways that we can be creative about the gospel but we need to be about sharing Jesus and that's what a disciple who follows does Number five, following Jesus means being a part of his ministry wherever you go. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verse 25, large crowds followed him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. We see that Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom, that he was healing the sick. He was bringing people to know and understand that he was the Savior who has come. And all the while, the disciples and the apostles went with him, and they were a part of this. 
They were part of the healings. They were part of the preaching. And they were part of the ministry of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the, the ministry of Jesus continues on in you and in his church. And that we continue on as Jesus has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, that continues. He has given us the church that is the mission to go to the ends of the earth. We understand that Jesus has created and made us so that we can be a part of his ministry wherever we are. Whether we work in northern Kentucky or we work in Cincinnati. If we work and go to, excuse me, if we go to school across the street or we go to school at home. Whatever we are, Jesus has called us to be part of his ministry. An ancient, old writer wrote this. So to the Lord about to do his battle with the devil first gathers together his apostles and thus begins to preach the gospel of the kingdom throughout Galilee. The taking of the devil by storm is the preaching of truth. The deadly arrow in the heart is the speaking of righteousness. Overturning him is the work of signs. The stripping of his powers is the conversion of believers. An earthly king gathers together an army that by its efforts he may attain glory. But the Lord gathered together his apostles, not that by their efforts he might attain glory, but that he might attain glory, but that by his own effort, he might win victory for them. Jesus is working a victory for us, through us, and being part of his ministry. God has saved you so that your family, your neighbor, your coworker, your student, fellow student, in your life, hears the life-changing message of Jesus. Gospel has come to you on the way to someone else. And you are special so that God has called you to be part of his plan to redeem the world. Will you follow him? Will you be his disciple? Or are you part of the crowd that only does when it's convenient or when it's easy or when it doesn't cost you much or doesn't ruffle any feathers? Or are you a disciple? who's willing to count the cost, who's willing to do whatever it takes, who trusts the Lord, who follows his way. Brothers and sisters, let's be the hope of the world. Let's follow him and him alone. Let's take the gospel to the ends of the earth or across the street. And let's do what God has called us to do and be faithful to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this challenge and reminder of how you call the first apostles that we should follow you faithfully. That we need to count the cost and understand that there's much to be done, but that we are saved by grace, but that we are called to live faithfully for you. May 2021 be a time that many of us respond in faithfulness to be a disciple who is sold out to you. That we don't rest, that we don't allow time to pass, but instead we redeem the time to live for you and share the gospel. God, may 2021 be a time that we see true disciples follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.